0: Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We hope you are having a great week so far as you tune in for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You can follow along in your Bible, or you can follow on the wall behind me. And we're going to begin reading in verse 21. Ephesians 5, 21. And Paul writes, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your own husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And Christ did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, one without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy. She will be without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to pray. But before I do, I want to say this. I want you to put out of your mind right now whatever your thoughts are concerning this particular passage of Scripture. Because I know where the mind of most of you went. But I believe God has something very different for you to hear today from this passage of Scripture, and I don't want you to miss it. This is not a message about marriage. This is a message about love. So please don't miss this this morning. So just put out of your mind whatever you think, whatever you have, you know, whatever your mind your mind went to concerning this particular passage, and let the Spirit of the Living God speak to you this morning. Perhaps something that is fresh, something that is new, something that is going to invigorate. I believe and build you up. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, stretch forth your hands to me now, if you will. Dear God, we love you, we bless you, we thank you. And in the mighty name of Jesus, the Son of the living God, the Christ, the lover of our soul, we come to you today and we give you thanks. Thank you for the freedom to worship you, to serve you, to love you. Thank you for your word, God, that gives life. Lord, I pray today that the life of God is poured out in this place as I share your word. I pray that relationships will be mended. I pray that hearts will be changed. But most of all, I pray that each one of us is drawn closer to you. Holy Spirit, I yield my members to you, sir. We collectively yield our members to you because we want to hear from heaven. We want to be made one with the word of the living God this morning. God, come and breathe. Breathe upon this place right now. Yes, thank you, Holy Spirit usher in the glorious presence of Almighty God. I bless these people this morning and I pray that you bless them in a powerful, amazing way. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Angela. Isn't it great to have Angela back? I say back as if she's been somewhere. She, where she, she's really just been serving Restoration Church. But uh, she spent a good bit of time at our Five Points campus over the last couple of months or so. And it's been just an amazing uh, thing that she's, she's done. And, and uh, we're seeing an amazing transformation uh, that, that God is doing there. But uh, we miss her when she's not leading. My wife mentioned to me this week, said, when's Angela going to play again? I miss her. So she was thrilled to have you. I also want to welcome our online viewers today. Thank you for joining us, those that are viewing online as well as those that are going to be viewing uh, this this message uh, in in the future. So today we're going to continue the series and we're nearing the end. I think we may have maybe one more message in this series, the journey of a Jesus follower. And the title of the message today is the perfect love story. The perfect love. Love story. You know, love is a funny thing. Everyone wants it, but not, but not everyone knows how to give it or, or, or even how to receive it. For some people, receiving love is much more difficult than giving love. People who grew up in an environment where love was absent or where love was, was, was unhealthy, there's such a thing, can find it difficult to accept the love of others, even the love of God. Also, many people do not understand that love is so much more than an emotion. There is the emotional element to it, but love is also a commitment. Love requires vulnerability. Love demands an unselfish attitude, and love always gives more than it takes. Theatrics has captured some amazing love stories, with many of them ending in tragedy. Many of them ending with the death of one or both are the key fi- figures in the story. There are Jack and Rose from the story of the, the t- Titanic. The hunchback of Notre Dame and Esmeralda. And perhaps the most famous love story of all, Romeo and Juliet. These were stories about people who fell in love only to have their love affair end tragically. But the greatest love story of all time is one that doesn't end in death, but one that actually began with death. That's the love story of Jesus and the church. Today's text is most often used to teach about the relationship between a husband and a wife, and rightly so. In this text, Paul defines the attitudes and the behaviors that are needed for a man and his wife to have a strong, godly marriage. But instead of focusing on just the relationship between a man and his wife, I want to look at the relationship between Jesus and his bride. We, the church, are part of the most beautiful and most successful love story that has ever been written. Our love story starts with God saying in Genesis, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So the Godhead created us in the image and the likeness of God Only to see their most beloved creation fall away because of sin. But motivated by love, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit got together and devised a plan to redeem their fallen loved ones. A plan which required the son to leave his place in glory and come into this world. A plan which required him to lay down his glory, lay down his perfection, and be clothed in the sinful flesh of man to repair the breach that was caused by our infidelity. Infidelity. Jesus came to reunite us with the one whose love towards us is perfect. The essence of the most beautiful, powerful love story of all time is captured in these words found in John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So with the giving of his son, God continued to write the script to the perfect love story. A love unlike anything this world has ever known. A plan that was based on that on love that is foreign to most. You see, we don't understand love like God knows love. The word love that was translated in John 3.16 is the Greek word agapio. This word means unconditional love. It means to love by choice and by act of the will. It means to love with unconquerable benevolence. Undefeatable goodwill. It is the kind of love that seeks only the highest good of the one that is directed towards. One more time, Pastor. Y'all wanna hear it again? Agape means unconditional love. It means to love by choice and by act of the will, unconquerable benevolence, undefeatable goodwill, and it is the kind of love that seeks only the highest good of the one that it is directed towards. Agapio describes, agapio describes God's unconditional love and please hear this it is a word that belongs exclusively to the Christian community it belongs exclusively to the Christian community this kind of love This expression of love is virtually unknown to writers outside of the New Testament. They can't comprehend it. Because it is the kind of love. This word describes a kind of love that can only be used in the perfect love story. Paul starts today's text by saying, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another is such a misunderstood concept. Submission does not mean becoming a doormat. But submission means following the pattern set forth by Jesus. Christ has a name, has been given a name that every knee shall bow to. Those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, yet he submitted his will to the will of God the Father. And we're to honor God, the one whose love towards us is perfect, by following the example of Jesus. When we submit to Jesus, we discover a willingness to obey his command to commit to submit. To other, let me say that again. When we submit to Jesus, we discover a willingness to obey His command to submit to others, to subordinate our rights to their rights. Scripture tells us to submit to one another. Submit to one another. Submit to one another. Submit to one another. That means husbands and wives are to submit to each other in in their own unique way. Submission is not a one-way street, guys and girls. For the wife, this means willingly following her husband's leadership in Christ. For the husband. (laughs) This means putting aside your own interest in order to care for your wife. I gotta say that again, because that was too good. That was too good. We're to submit to one another. For the wife, this means willingly following her husband's leadership in Christ. And for the husband, this means putting aside his own interest in order to care for his wife. This is what we see in Jesus, the perfect lover. He put aside his will, and he submitted to the will of God. Thus, showing wives what submission to the head looks like. Likewise, he put aside his own interests to care for his bride by giving his life as a sacrifice for her, thus, showing the husband how he is to care for his wife. Mm, mm, mm. Listen. I have discovered, and perhaps you have too, that submission is rarely a problem in homes where both partners have a strong relationship with Christ and where each is concerned about the welfare and happiness of the other. Can I say that again? I got it in my notes to repeat it, so I got to say it again. <laughs> Submission is rarely a problem in homes where both partners have a strong relationship with Christ and where each is concerned about the welfare and the happiness of the other. However, Submission is a major problem to those who do not know Christ because they do not have his example to follow. Submission is also a major problem in relationships, please hear me, that are built on or governed by selfishness. But in our relationships, we submit to one another by taking our divinely ordered place. It's not a one-way street. submission can never be required by one human being over another but only given on the basis of trust. Boy, I got to dig a little deep on that one. What do I mean? I mean, you can't talk it. You can't preach it. You can't demand it enough to make someone submit to you. They will only submit to you if they trust you. If you force it, if you talk it, if you demand it, and you get results, you don't have submission. You have someone who has responded to an ungodly demand. You can't demand it of someone. They give it because they trust you. So we must live by God's word. And we must submit to one another if we're to grow in our relationships. We're part of the perfect love story. Jesus, the lover of our soul, is perfectly submitted to God on our behalf. And he is perfectly committed to us on God's behalf. Perfect. Verse 23 tells, says, for, the, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. So as members of the church, we're part of the body of Christ. And as much as your heart belongs to your body, you belong to Christ. As much as your eyes, your your ears, your mouth, your lungs belongs to your body, we belong to Christ as individual members of his body. And just as you would do everything you can to take care of your body, how much more so will Christ take care of you? Jesus is Savior of the body. He is Savior of the church. And his saving us was not just a one-time thing, but it is ongoing. He watches over us like a good lover should. He comforts us like only a good lover can. He cares for us like a good lover cares. You're part of the perfect love story because you are in relationship with the perfect lover. And this is how he loves you. He is patient with you. He is kind to you. He does not display ungodly jealousy, boasting, or pride towards you. Jesus is never rude to you. He does not demand his own way with you, forcing you to do what he wants. Instead, He points out what is best for you and let you choose. He is not irritated because when you do something or when you fail in a certain way, because he understands your every weakness. Jesus does not hold your wrongdoings against you, but he is quick to forgive. He does not rejoice when he sees injustices being done to you or by you, but he rejoices when love, truth, and justice wins out. Jesus will never give up on you, lose faith in you, and is always hopeful towards you. He patiently endures all the things you do, Because he is the perfect lover. And as the perfect lover, this is what he offers to you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control with a lover like that I'm amazed that so many people even Christians have a hard time submitting to him. You can search the world over many times and you will never find anyone to love you like Jesus loves you. Never. Because his love towards you is perfect. Understanding and accepting God's love for you will absolutely change your life and it will change how you live your life. Knowing that we are loved gives us hope. Knowing that we are loved in such a way gives us a reason to love our lives and to love others and to share the love that we have with others. Verse 24, Paul writes, as the church submits to Christ, you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. Listen. Listen. If you're not submitted to Jesus, who is perfect in his love, we will have a hard time submitting to one another. Amen. Let me say that again. If we're not submitted to Jesus, who is perfect in his love to us, we will have a hard time submitting to one another, both husbands and wives. Submit means to respect. Respect to regard and deeply care for. It means to reverence or be in awe of, to serve, to honor, to edify, to build up. And the term as to the Lord means to be of highest esteem and regard. Are you submitted to Jesus in that way? Verses 25 and 26, Paul writes, for husband, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. A husband who loves his wife as he loves himself builds a sense of security in her, just like Jesus does for us. If each of us will just look to Jesus, learn his examples, and start to love and live out of what we see in him, our relationship with others would be so much better. The husband is to lay down his life for his wife, as Jesus laid down his life for us. The husband is to sacrifice his own interests in order to enhance the interest of his wife. He is to nourish her. That means support her growth towards her her maturity. He is to cherish her, which means warmly care for and attend to her and her needs. And each partner in the relationship contributes, to, contributes by bringing to the other their full potential. That is what Jesus did for us. He gave us his best. He held nothing back. Amen. Nothing. And relationships that are live out of a mutually loving environment, mirrors the interactive love that Christ has for the church and his church is called to have towards him. Paul goes on to say in verse 27, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. But instead, she will be holy and without fall. How many of you were here last week? show your hands. Well, last week, I shared with you uh, the prayer that I offered up to the Lord a couple of days before, asking for His glorious presence to come and be with us continually. You remember that? Yeah. Remember me sharing it? Yeah. I later realized that uh, I was like Moses. Who wanted to see God's glory. Moses said to the Lord in Exodus 33:18, He said, Please show me your glory. Moses had received God's promise. He had seen God's power. He was guaranteed God's presence. But Moses wanted more. He wanted God's person. He wanted intimate knowledge of who God is. So God said to Moses, Moses. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then when when I pass by, I will take away my hand and you will see my back. Why did God do this? He did it because Moses existed in a finite and a morally imperfect state. The same state as we do. And in such a state, we cannot exist and see God as he is. So when I asked God to come and be with us continually, he responded. Remember I told you? As quickly as I offered up that short prayer, God responded. But I did not like what he said. He said to me, you're not yet ready. You're not yet ready. My people are not yet ready to be in my presence continually because it would destroy them. There's only so much of God's glory that the flesh can stand. His presence in all of his fullness would destroy most of what we are because we have too much of this world still in us. So God in his goodness withholds from us the greater measures of his glory. Our humanness cannot withstand the fullness of God's glory. Thus his words to me, you're not yet ready. And what hinders us most is sin. Sins of commission. Sins of omission. Being too accepting of the ways of this world. The world of things that we hold on to keeps us out of God's greater glory because of the sinful flesh of man. And the sinful flesh of man and the manifested glory of God do not mix well together. But I found hope in today's text that I did not have last week. Verses 26 and 27 gives me hope. It gives me hope that I can and will one day see the greater measures of God's glory. These verses say that Jesus is at work To make us holy and clean. He is washing us. He is cleansing us with God's word. And He is doing these things to present us to Himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. That the church would be holy and without fault. You see, that kind of church can stand in the manifested glory of God and not be destroyed. and That's what Jesus is doing. That describes the depth of his love for us. He is washing us. He is cleansing us. He's making us holy without fault. Jesus is getting us ready for God's glory. He is removing from us everything that is ugly and sinful. And he's transforming us into his bride that has no thought. Only the perfect lover can look beyond all that is wrong with you and only see what can be made right with you. Only the perfect lover will be so patient as to give you time to grow. That you will become a lover without fault, without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. Paul goes on to say in verses 29 and 30, no one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Please hear me. Do not listen to the lies of Satan that would say to you, God does not care for you personally. Do not listen to the lies of Satan that will make you believe Jesus does not care for you. God loves you so much he gave his only son for you. And Jesus loves you so much He gave his life for you. You are part of his body. And no one, not even a mortal person, hates his own body. But we care for it. We take care of it. We feed it. We clothe it. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Jesus left his father and all the glory he had with him to come and be joined with us that we would be made one with him he the head we individual members of the body you are part of the perfect love story Because you are loved by the perfect lover. And Paul uses the illustration between a man and his wife to show us how we have been joined to Jesus. And he uses the relationship between Jesus and the church to show us how we are to love one another. This is a great mystery. But in this mystery is revealed how Christ and the church are one. It is an illustration of the unselfish love given by the one who is the perfect lover. Given by the one who we have been called to immolate. And that concludes today's sermon. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We pray that you have been encouraged and empowered in your journey of following Jesus. If you'd like to learn more about Restoration Church, please visit our website by going to r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.